October 24, 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I want to try something different today. We're going to start with a psalm, but then we will get to a proverb and then we'll get into it. The idea we want to talk about today is that war without work, war wins without work. If you're not going to work, then war will win. The world is going to and already in some might say, World War III. So I want people to get to work. But before that, we must begin with God. So I want to begin with Psalm 27, if I may. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, I will offer his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou shalt say, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thine servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me as such as breathe out cruelty." I have fainted, unless I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 27 is a favorite of mine, but today is the 24th. And so for that, we go to Psalm chapter, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 24. This is what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be taking the wisdom of work. And directly taking the wisdom of God in work to overcome war on the earth. We're going to be tying that together today and using specifics because I want to get back to a specific encounter. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27 through 34. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, build thine house. Be not a witness against thy neighbor without cause and deceive not, thy, not with thy lips. Say not... I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. So guys doesn't have understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered with the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra traveleth, and, they, and thy want as an armed man. If you do not work, the vagabonds will come to you. The fields will be in disarray. The stone walls will be collapsed. The things that are supposed to be productive aren't going to be producing because you're going to be too slothful and lazy. Work is a key ingredient. Work is worship. It is also warfare. We're going to get into that. I want to recommend and suggest that you go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. It's a great way to help me and the stuff that I do here, but also you take the money you're already spending and you put it into an American manufacturer. You get household products delivered right to your door, price competitive, uh, price competitive pricing, Vertical, uh, vertical manufacturing, which means that no other corporation touches it. No other BlackRock or Walmart gets to buy a seat at the table to make the company go woke or godless commie or in introduce hazardous chemicals there. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren. Myself or someone will be in touch. Thank you very much. Uh, war 
wins without work. Last couple weeks, it's all been about Israel. It's all been about Hamas. It's all been about the geopolitical landscape. Last night, I just got sick of it. Not sick of um, you know talking about issues that matter, but something stuck in my craw, as my dad would say. Something stuck in my craw about the fact that there's not a specific solution. It doesn't seem to me that leaders or media, people in media, speak about what to do about stuff. And so I want to, if I may, repent of talking about the heady geopolitical doctrinal stuff, which is important and interesting and useful. But now I want to get back to the dirt. I want to get back to the fact that we need to have dirty hands. I want to get back down to the fact that war without war wins without work. And my meaning here today is just very simple. We got to get to work. We have to get to work. There's stuff that we can do, and I think we need to be about it. The proverb that I read speaks about the fact that you need to prepare thy work without. So work outside, get your fields ready, prepare the stuff that God has given you, and then build your house. Your house is the home where you will enjoy the life, the prosperity, and those things. But before you build your home, you need to be preparing and working in your fields. I believe that God has given us a massive field to work in. I believe that mass migration, the illegal invasion into this nation, is an abomination. I believe that abortion is an abomination. I believe that a gospel being preached by most American churches with fog machines and rock bands and celebrity pastors aren't pointing to the scriptures. And because of that, we don't actually hear from God. We hear from people using God for their gain. And I want to repent of that. I want to go back, if I can, to the very beginning in the garden when God told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. This verse snagged me the other day in the sense that I had always seen that as the commandment. And it is. Be fruitful and multiply is a command. But now I'm also recognizing that that command is a blessing. The law is the blessing. The command to be fruitful and multiply to Adam in the garden is a blessing. It's an invitation to participate in creation with God. So the very first law, be fruitful and multiply, was a command. It was an instruction for him to do stuff, but it was also an invitation and a blessing because he gets to participate in creation with the creator. I don't believe that that's changed. I don't. I believe that sin has entered the world, and so the garden. You know, uh, we are. You know, Adam was cast out of it. Adam and Eve were cast out of it. But I don't believe that God contradicts Himself. And so I look at the world today that is rife and rife with strife, full of war, perversions, deceptions, people distracting from the authority of Scripture. There's all sorts of bad things going on. I look at the stuff going on. I take a step back and I say, God, what would you have me do? This is where I get back to the Live Local Field Manual. We'll get we'll get back more into this. I, I've got a couple initiatives brewing. I, I think I found my, just the way that my brain works. I'm an auditory uh, speaker. If I think about it, I have to say it. I believe I found my J6 bit. I've been looking to fulfill the J6 affidavit. I've been reading Blackstone for four weeks, scouring the parts uh, where he's talking about witnesses and evidence and I, I think I found it. Anyway, because of that, I want to get moving off that. But I've got other issues I want to do whereby we'll start mailing these out um, to people that really want to get involved and want to start building their teams locally. I don't just want to be a dude on the internet talking about stuff. I want people to take action. And I believe that part of the disconnect is that our knowledge... Because I, I think it, it's all going back to the separation of church and state. Because Christians believe they're not supposed to be engaged in the world. The world sucks and is on fire. Christians need to repent. They need to look to Jesus. And they need to get engaged. But that is going to be difficult as we overcome the fog and the cobwebs of our bad knowledge. We have to unlearn things that we've been taught that have disarmed us, defanged us. They have positioned us prostrate against a tyrannical government. We've got to repent of that. We've got to turn away from that. We've got to get to specifics. We have to build locally. We've got to recruit our neighbors, train, our, train with our neighbors in order to be the church. 
in order to be standing strong, proclaiming truth, but also bringing the law to our government officials or to people who are doing wrong. And I believe that the broad diffusion of knowledge is the solution to that. At the core is the preaching of the gospel. We also need to understand that we don't just preach the gospel so that people believe. We preach the gospel as obedience because we believe it. And as we do all the things that God tells us to do, like work and prepare our fields before our homes, he's faithful, he'll give the gain. I believe that that's what we're supposed to do. So I'd like to, if I can, um, point to where I want to say I politically agree with something, but because of the political messaging, there's not really flesh on the bones. There's not really a to-do. There's not really action steps. I was in the infantry. I want action steps. If you can't show the person on the ground what the battlefield's going to look like, if you can't paint for them um, an interpretation of the in-state, what victory looks like, or set the conditions for how they can understand their battlefield, then you will deploy them into combat and they'll have, you know, the biggest part will be the learning curve, which is, you know, one aspect of war is that there's a fog, there's an uncertainty. And so the people that get back to the fundamentals are the ones that win. And that's what we need to do. In society, America has been ravaged and destroyed. Our society is not the way that it should be. It's not the way that it used to be. So how do you get back to that? I don't want to get back to the 1950s. I want to build better than what the 1950s were moving forward. So with that, I want to show something that's happening in Europe that I politically agree with. But I also look at this and say their singular message I completely agree with. But as you watch this, ask the question, how? Here you go. Europe is dying. We're not allowed to talk about it, but we can see it with our own eyes. In every nation, every big city, foreign faces, foreign voices. The population replacement is wreaking havoc in our countries. Terror, gang rapes, the destruction of our social security, of our social peace, the list of damages is endless. When our politicians import foreigners, they also import foreign conflicts right into our city centers. Just one week ago, the city of Brussels was once again shaken by a terrorist attack of an ISIS supporter. Migration imports the Middle East into the earth of Europe. Sadly, Brussels is also what's causing this invasion. The European Union strangles the nation state. It hinders them from protecting their borders, pushing back and sending home illegal immigrants. Activists from all across Europe demand a policy of close borders and a strict remigration. Our continent needs to be safe, sovereign and most importantly European. We organize the Reconquista, the revival of our beloved Europe. Our continent and our nations will not go silently into the night. Europe cannot die. Join us and get onto the streets. So there is a nationalist movement gaining in Europe whereby native Europeans are starting to localize in a nationalist movement. I politically agree with this. Uh, I politically agree with it. I believe that the mass migration coming from Africa and the Middle East into Europe is sparking property unrest, raping of women and children. It's promoting terrorism, uh, Islamic terrorism. There's all sorts of bad things going on, and so I agree and I am glad that nationalists are starting to organize. I then question, what does that look like? I also recognize, and this is just because I'm skeptical, wouldn't a government promulgate that idea just to be the honeypot for people that would see that as attractive? And by that I mean, if the globalists are in charge, using the government to get their wiles, to advance their corporational profits, whatever, if the globalists are in charge, wouldn't they have something like this as the bait for other people to join so that if other people joined, they could then see all the people that would be their political opponents? And then because the, the society has been fractured, the globalists honeypotting that type of thing could use that to go after their opponents whenever they're fractious and individual? 
Maybe that's just me, but I believe that that would happen. And this is why I go away from large organizations. This is why I don't try to go on speaking circuits. This is why I don't um, try to build you know, organizations all over the place. I believe it has to be done by you. I believe that people need to be doing it on their own, decentralized, autonomous, non, you know, big, robust ideas. And that way, the wisdom is broadly diffused and the godless commies can't step it out because they don't know where it's at. They don't know where it's at. They can't go after all of them. So they go after organizations. They go after personalities. They go after large targets that present themselves. And so necessarily, any movement, any movement that's going to be resilient or truthful or strong has to be, has to be decentralized in its application. Has to be. If it's not decentralized in its application, it's going to get smashed. As a historical vignette, if you go back to the early church, when Domitian, who was a Roman Caesar, went after the church, he went to churches, he went after the pastors, he went after the preachers, and he killed them. He would go after the preachers, and he would go after the Bibles. As a response to this, the leaders of congregations were killed, and a lot of Bibles were burned. Well, as this started making the news, as this started making the rounds, and Christians all over uh, the, uh, the Roman Empire understood this, they started going underground, and they started ripping their Bibles, ripping their, their manuscripts apart, and distributing them all over the place. Not ripping the pieces of paper to where you couldn't read it, but ripping the, the books apart. The book is Christian technology. So they'd rip their Bibles apart and distribute them all over the place. And that's why you have copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of copies of manuscripts of the Bible. That's why the New Testament for antiquity is the greatest sourced document in the history of the world because of the persecution against Christians. Now, I believe God's wisdom in that time was so that you would have a, an incredibly recorded and, you know, you know, um, you would have an unassailable evidence of the truth and the veracity of Scripture. And because you have tens of thousands of manuscripts in antiquity and literally nothing else rivals the manuscripts coming out of that time period. There, there's not the, the quantity, the accuracy doesn't exist. And I believe God in his wisdom was doing that at that time, allowing the Roman persecution to, um, to persecute the church, to spread the gospel so that these churches would go underground and they would distribute, but also that the people in the churches would take their Bibles, rip them apart, scatter them to other people, and then write them down. So they would evidence the Bible over and over and over. And I believe that was God's wisdom at that point to give evidence of the veracity of Scripture. I believe in like manner right now, there is mass migration happening into these nations to force Christians out of the slumber, out of the laziness of not being engaged in the world. I take it as a particularly American, American phenomena where... Christians in America believe that the world is supposed to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And because we believe it's because Christians in America believe it's supposed to get worse, there's this self-destructive, self-fulfilling prophecy whereby you'll look at scripture and you say the world's supposed to get worse, therefore we can't do anything about it. So this is just God doing stuff. I, I believe that goes against the text of the scripture, specifically when Jesus said that Matthew 24, 34, that all of those things in the Olivet Discourse would happen to that generation. I believe they did. And now it looks, it, I believe that that worldview denies what happens in scripture. When people don't obey God, God brings judgment. When people obey God, God grants them victory. God gives them the gain. God blesses them. It really is that simple. Now, the world will hide this and try to make you th think that it's stupid. Right now, there's, there's a bunch of people who want to go to war and support war in foreign nations. I am not one of them. I also recognize that there's people that, as a result of these globalist policies, are organizing the best way that they know how, which is to say, re-migration, kick them out. I completely agree with that. But how? How do you kick them out? And if you understand that there's going to be, a, an, there needs to be an application, there needs to be, a, I should say, a connection between the idea 
and put it into action. And this is the how. The how is what we are hurting on because the way that we've been educated has, has made us individual widgets in a society instead of members of a community. We kick our parents out of the home or we, 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 we kick our parents into nursing homes where they rely on their own nest eggs, their own Medicare to take care of themselves. We kick our children out at 18 because, well, you're an adult now, go do it. Why would you do that? Why would you kick your children out at 18 when they have zero life experience to go have them do their own? Because now they're going to go build a life separate from you. They're now building a life separate from your home. You are literally fracturing your bloodline. And you're doing it because there's some cultural thing where America says you got to go do a career and be an adult at 18. You should be working before you're 18. You should be working as soon as you can pick up a hammer. You should be learning. There's plenty of YouTube how-to-do videos. Do-it-yourself stuff. We live in a time of incredible knowledge, but we haven't made the connection of generational community because we've been incentivized out of it. We've been taught from our schools, we've been taught in our churches that the church shouldn't be involved, that schools go get a college degree. Why? Why do I need to go get in six-figure debt to hate God, to learn that genders can be jumped, and then you know spew poison against my parents? I believe that we need to get back to specifics. And so with that, I want to point to this idea of, in the Live Local Field Manual that the knowledge of the common law, the knowledge of local uh, shops, the, the, those types of ideas, those are selling points to build coalition. I think one of the easiest things you can do is go to church. Now, there will be a lot of people in their judgment say that, well, churches aren't good. Well, sure. But when the apostles preached the gospel, they went to synagogues. By definition, those synagogues didn't have the gospel. So those synagogues were preaching the old covenant and not the new covenant, which means that everybody in that synagogue was going to go to hell. So if everyone in that synagogue was going to go to hell, but yet the apostles still went there to preach, doesn't that mean that churches are, doesn't that mean that churches are a ripe uh, ground? for people that would believe the Bible. And I believe that that's probably something that needs to happen. If you feel so moved, go to the church and invite people to read the Bible. <laughs> go go to church and invite them to believe the gospel. I believe that uh, if, if, if Christians, I should say, if, if Americans who go to a church claim Christ and claim that they read the Bible, that's a synagogue. That's a, that's a modern day synagogue to go bring the gospel to. And in that, you will find people who, whenever they hear the truth, they say, you know what, that's true. Let's build on that. Let's build on what the truth is. Let's get back to the fact that the church should not be separate from the world's events. We should be separate and holy, considering how we behave and how we think according to the Bible. But with regard to politics and government, America is a Christian nation built on Christian ideas. How can the Constitution, which is dripping with biblical presupposition, how did that ever come about unless Christians believed, no, the church should absolutely shape the world? I want to play for you another video, and then we'll get into some more specifics. This video is from TikTok. This is a, a dude in Georgia. I put this on my Telegram channel. This just has me, well, let's just watch it. Commentary after. You stand right there? Huh? You stand right there? Yeah. Okay, then. So, how long have you been in America? America, yeah. You been in America? Did you get, they flew you in? Small. Yeah, they flew you in America. Okay, go ahead, man, I'm done. You don't see what's going on here. And they stand right here. You see what's going on here, guys? See, I keep my eyes open, and y'all right here being entertained want to be separate and they bringing these people right in our communities guys they right in our communities that's something about to happen that we so busy being highly favored and coming against each other yep they're standing in this place right here these african guys right here look at them right there y'all need to share this video man 
Why are these young African guys coming in out? They just dropping them off, man. And the melanated communities. They dropping them off, guys. They're just dropping them off in our communities. Man, this is ridiculous. Look at them. Look at them. These are not our people. For you fools who say that Africans and us indigenous and conscious American Indians labeled as black and African-Americans, we are the same people, you're foolish. And, he, and if you think that, you need to be removed out the way. They're all over the inner city. They've been dropped off and we need to be galvanizing and making plans and watching out for our children and our women because they just dropping off men. Young men are fighting age. They drop them off and they're devising the plan to take you damn niggas out of here. Cause y'all are stupid and foolish if you don't wake the hell up. There's a lot of wisdom there. Now, it's easy to say they are doing stuff, something for a plan. I believe that that is actually a, um, I, I, I generally agree that globalists are doing things to cause the mass migration. I absolutely believe that. What I don't do and I won't do is say that there is such a highly organized plan. It's just chaos, people. It's chaos. The chaos is their plan. And from the chaos that they create, they will then use, they will leverage world systems, they will leverage law or politicians, the media, whatever, in order to manipulate people in their fear and uncertainty to go and to do what they want them to do. This is basic Hegelian dialectic. I think what we need to do, get to your Bibles, believe the Bibles, preach the gospel, and live local. I've been saying this for a couple years. I've gotten off of it because of the common law, but now I'm going to blend the two. I'm blending now the common law and understanding your constitution, sending notice and affidavit to get righteous government with the deliberate specific action steps of the Live Local Field Manual. I've got a project forthcoming where I'm going to be doing you know, content on a monthly basis, telling people how to incrementally build, build stuff. But it starts with work. I said yesterday, and I'd like to expound on it if I can. Yesterday, there was the Southcom command. I played the video of the Southcom commander speaking about we have the Amazon. And it was this idea that the U.S. military owns or possesses or influences the Amazon. But it was really the idea that the, mili the U.S. military has put itself and grown itself to the position where that's how it thinks as, as normalcy. That's its normal way of thinking. That's its normal consideration. Because of that, America's military considers events, resources, and things inside foreign nations as variables for its own calculation. This is no longer a war to secure America. It's now a war in its military adventurism in order to preserve access to resources. I then went down to the granular level and said that if you were someone in Guyana standing on your patch of dirt and there was lithium underneath your feet, in Guyana they don't have the common law, which means whoever owns their house doesn't own the lithium underneath their feet. One of the reasons why there is a robust economy in America is not just capitalism, even though that's, that's a big proponent of it, it's the law that enables capitalism to flourish. Capitalism being the, the economic theory that the thing that you have, you own and you get the resources of. You can use it how you want. You can benefit how you want. It's capital. Capital is the, is the organizing principle. Instead of socialism, where the organizing principle is the society. The organizing principle is not the society because the society is made up of people and the people have rights by God. So whenever you have a biblical worldview, you understand that because Christ is king, he rose from the grave and he gave us rights, your rights have to be protected. That's the common law. If you understand that, we take for granted in America the blessings of liberty, the prosperity of capitalism. We take that for granted 
Even though we've been lulled to sleep, we're lazy, this dude in Georgia is talking about how all these Africans are being poured in. And think about that. You got black people in Georgia, which I believe are really indigenous Native Americans, but then you've also got these Africans from Africa, and they're putting them together because what, they look alike? But they don't. Black people in America are more brown than the straight black people coming out of the heart of Africa. But because these globalists are so exploitative with the, um, what's it called, political correctness, the globalists believe that the black people have been trained, the, the Americans, the brown Americans called African Americans have been trained to just take in these Africans and think that they're the same people even though they don't think the same, they don't talk the same, they don't have the same activities. And the guy in the video was rightly correct. He was correct when he said that these fighting age men are going to come in and rape women. They're going to molest children. They're going to cause crime because that's what they do. Now, will they do it as part of some super secret uber, you know, contextualized sequential plan? Probably not. It'll probably just be a general fomenting of disorder and lawlessness. And really what they're getting at there, what the godless commies that are perpetuating and incentivizing mass migration are doing, is they're getting people away from the law. Make no mistake. They're not getting you away from capitalism. These people are fascists. They're using the government with corporations, which is fascism, to get control of the world. And as they do this, they're destroying what the law is. They're destroying what the Constitution say. They're getting us away from the common law. And they're certainly not pointing you to the Bible. And so that gets me back to what the European nationalists were doing. The European nationalists, I believe, have rightly identified the problem. Bunch of people here that shouldn't be. And they're saying, re-migration, kick them out. And that's a good rallying cry. That's something I agree with. That's something that should absolutely be done. But how? Because as soon as you start organizing in groups, those groups are going to be infiltrated. You're begging for intelligence agencies or bureaucrats. You're begging for the attention of the deep state, of the globalists, of these corporations to come down on top of you. And so if you don't know your fundamentals, if you don't have people that are right there with you that can unify, you're going to get torn up. And this is where I am going to be saying stuff that's probably going to come off as crazy because I'm advocating for people to learn the law so they can stand on their rights. Such that if you get in legal trouble, you don't need an attorney. You don't need to pay money for an attorney when you can stand on your rights, when you stand on what's righteous and what's written. Now, what I can't guarantee is the righteousness of the judge. Luke 18 talks about the persistent widow, where there's a judge who doesn't fear God. He gives the woman her remedy because she just continues to beg him. I believe in a decentralized manner, the church has to reconstitute itself to understand that the gospel is not just for salvation of your soul, it's for the restoration and reconciliation of the world. And because it's for the reconciliation of the world, the church needs to go get engaged. If this means you have to go be slaughtered like a lamb for God's glory, amen. You will be more than conquerors as you're slaughtered for God's glory. At the same time, men need to understand and need to be affirmed in the fact that they want to war. There, are, there is war going on right now because men war. We fight. That's what we're made for. When God told Adam in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, he's telling him to engage creation, shape it, change it, dig it, move it, chop things down, build stuff up. Engage creation creatively in participation with God so that you can be in participation with God and stuff grows and there's bounty and there's prosperity and there's all sorts of stuff. That was perfection. But war, in a sense, was required. Because there was a way that God made things in its perfection. And then he invited man to be fruitful with it. Which was to change it and participate with it and work with it in order to create something new because the two of them would be together. I believe the same thing is true today. We just now have giants and dragons. We've got cancer. We've got disease. We've got greed and sin. And so you've got more enemies than we had in the garden. 
But make no, no mistake, the curse that God gave Adam was that the ground would be cursed. This means that Adam's focus is the ground. We're supposed to be moving it, making it, or not making it, but shaping it and, and putting it into places where it serves our purposes, but it's going to be hard. So we have to get involved. We have to be specific. I believe one of the first things that you can do is understand that when Jesus said, where two or more are, uh, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I shall be also. That's the church. Where two or more are gathered in Christ's name, that's the church. This gets us in the, in the law. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution says, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. That's a prohibition. Congress is prohibited from making any law respecting, which is a way of saying acknowledging, which is a way of saying commenting on, which is a way of saying, here's our opinion on that, right? Respecting the establishment of a religion. Congress can't make a national church. Congress can't make, um, you know, a national religion. They can't do it. Why? Because you have the freedom to religion. You have the freedom to, re to worship God as your conscience dictates. If you can look up, uh, what's it, Vermont um, chapter 1, article 3rd, it talks about Christian denominations. This nation is a Christian nation. And as such, it's the duty of men to worship God, to assemble frequently to worship God, which means to be physically in the presence of people, which is why the internet is not, is not conducive to the restoration of this nation. It might facilitate knowledge, but if that knowledge isn't applied, it's not wisdom. And I believe that there's a lot of people who hear what people say, they'll hear these nationalists and they'll say, yeah, we need re-migration and get rid of all these illegals. Amen. But like, are you applying that knowledge? How do you, how, how do you go about making that happen? I think that's, I think that's one of the challenges we have in our day is making the connection. It's, it's as though we've been educated to not connect what we know to what we do. And that missing link is what, by God's grace, I will help with or I'll push to or I'll direct to. Um, you know, this this is a back and forth. People can help me and help the things that I do by going to HumbleWB.coffee. HumbleWB.coffee. Delicious air-roasted coffee. Organic, fair trade, non-additives, no preservatives. Never drum-roasted over a pit of fire like East Palestinian... Uh, metal burning garbage this is lightly toasted lightly roasted on a cushion of air perfect it's going to be great humblewb.coffee humblewb.coffee i believe that the connection between what we know and what we do is critical and, and and for me it gets back down to the gospel if you know the gospel but you don't obey jesus i question if you believe the gospel and this is what James is talking about. What's it in James 1.22 when uh, he's saying, um, uh, be, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If you hear the word and you don't do it, the Bible says that you deceive yourself. And so people can say, well, there's this conspiracy theory where mass migration comes in to depopulate America. Okay, you can know that. But what are you doing about it? Because if you don't do anything about it, do you actually believe that it's happening? Because if you believed it happened, it was happening, wouldn't you take action? And just to kind of cast the vision, let me see if I can speak to my, my infantry people, the, the guys on the ground, the audience. When you know that you and your wife are a church and that Congress can't make any, uh, any law respecting the establishment of a religion... You could form a private membership association, send notice to your government, which clarifies presumptions in law. It guards, it stands and asserts your rights to privacy, whereby your papers, persons, houses, and effects are private, and no one, except on probable cause, sworn by oath or affirmation, can trespass. Which means government has to have a specific inclination and swear and someone's got to swear under oath that you violated somebody in order to trespass your property but also to violate your privacy and if they don't then they are going against your rights and the government can't do that now the skeptic might say well that doesn't really happen and the courts don't work like that see the Bruin case 
Last week, a judge named Benitez in California ruled that California's uh, assault weapons ban was unconstitutional. And that's because the text of the Constitution is the law. And there will be skeptics or cynics that say, well, that's just for guns. No, no, it's not. Bruin said the text, tradition, the history of the, the history of the fundamental law is the U.S. Constitution. That's how we read the law. Lawyers will be tricky and only apply it to firearms, but make no mistake that the truth of text, history, tradition applies to all subject matter in the law. When we understand that, we can say, Jesus said where two or more are gathered, that's the church. The Congress is prohibited from making any law respecting the establishment of religion. So if I and my wife in my home are private and we are uh, doing religious activities because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I'll read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, where are we at? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. You can literally do everything that you do to God's glory. If you do something to God's glory, you are worshiping. If you're worshiping, that is religion. You're practicing your faith. How could, if you are practicing your faith, government regulate your conduct? And this gets into the idea that when government is given, when federal government is granted the power to regulate commerce, regulate means to make regular. It doesn't mean to control. And so when the federal government controls, gets in the nitty gritty of everything, there's this notion that it's overstepping its bounds. And where the government will certainly make that presumption and have for a long time, the rebuttal of that presumption is that you stand on the law to say that what you are doing is your private affairs and now someone in the government has to swear under oath or affirmation under penalty of perjury that you're not in the private. And how can they do that? Especially whenever you have clarified those presumptions with the private membership association telling them what you're doing is religious and private. When you start to piece these ideas together, you can start to build a team. You can start to build someone who's to your right and to your left who also understands this stuff. This is where I would encourage you to invite them to watch my content, to come here, to listen to what I do, or go to my law teacher, Dave Jose, um, you know, and, and learn from him. When, when people understand what the law is, they will understand that they have power that they have been they, that has been hidden from them. Not power like they're Magneto from X-Men or they've got some magical Jedi force, but power in the sense that when Jesus says, all power in heaven and on earth are given to me, go ye therefore teach the nations to obey, baptize them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach the nations to obey all my commandments. That's power. That's power. But Americans think power like um, the Black Panther. Americans think power like He-Man or Superman. Or That's how Americans have been made to think about power. That it's force, and that force is Marvel Comics or at the barrel of a gun. That's not power. That's not God's power. God's power is by using wisdom to um, you know, reverberate or to uh, align with his order. When you are aligned with his order and you obey him, God in his majesty, in his sovereignty, he will do what God does. And he can work on the hearts of other people. He can bring to you people in your life that you didn't expect. He can, he can cause calamity through storm. He can do all sorts of stuff. He can have massive amounts of people lose faith in something that's an idol. And the, the, the faith in the idol that falls out, that idol collapses like that. He can do all sorts of stuff. That's power. But when you try to control and manipulate the power, that's when you're no longer using it for God. You're using it for you. And this is why it's important to return to Proverbs 24, uh, verse uh, 27 through 34, this is why it's important for us to recognize that whenever God tells us what to do, we do it. Not because we think that we're going to get power, not because we think that we're pushing buttons to make certain transactional outcomes, but we obey God so that God will 
one, first and foremost, get the glory and we love him and we're participating with him. But now God gets to grant gains in ways that we can't see that are much better, bigger than we could ever imagine. And if we say we're going to do what God tells us what to do in our life and God does what he wants to do, then I don't have to worry about all that stuff. I don't have to worry about all the big stuff. I don't have to worry about the Gaza, the Palestine, the Israel. I don't have to worry about the end times. I don't have to worry about all that stuff. I get to focus exactly where he's got me. I get to focus exactly where he's got me. And this is where he says, verse 20, uh, Proverbs 24, 27, Prepare thy work without, so outside, and make it fit for thyself in a field, and afterwards build the house. Build your house after you've done your work. Because your work outside is going to be able to produce your living. It's going to be able to produce what you eat. It's going to harden your physical constitution. It's probably going to put you in connection with other people. It's going to be doing all the things of building a society by work. And if you don't work, the war wins. The war wins because it's salacious, it's, uh, it's entertaining in some respects. Some Christians will say that because the world gets worse, we have to have a bunch of death because that's when Jesus comes back. And because they think that they don't actually get to work, they're more concerned about the headlines. Of course, they'll, they'll disagree with me and they'll say, no, 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 we preach the gospel. We absolutely preach the gospel. Okay, all right. But do you believe that it will actually take over the world? Do you actually believe that the world will believe it? Do you believe that all every knee will bow and every tongue will confess? That's what I believe. That's what I believe because it's what the Bible says. So when we look at this, we need to look at the fact that whenever you restore America, as we're restoring America, we're getting back to what the fundamental law says. I've pointed out the First Amendment. I've pointed out how Jesus and the two people, uh, that's the church. I've pointed out how 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whatever you do, whether in word or, or whether, uh, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all things to the glory of God. Now I want to take one step further, if I can. Let's go back to that Southcom commander from the army. She's talking about we have the Amazon. The common law isn't in South America, which means the property rights in South America are non-existent. Which means if I own a piece of land with lithium underneath it, and there's a bunch of lithium and it's worth a lot of money, People come in and just take the stuff out from underneath my land, uh, out from underneath my feet, and I don't have any recourse in the law to do anything against them. Now, the modern American mind would say, "Well, just rise up and get your guns and do stuff and shoot people," but this negates the fact that the world has law. You can argue whether the law is good or bad, but the world works according to law. Acts twenty-two, Saul or uh, Paul was getting beat up by the Romans. And he looks at these, this is a, you know, a Christian, you know, dude, you know, Christian getting beat up. He's getting beat up and scourged by these Romans. And he looks at the Romans, he's going to go, you going to do this to a Roman without a trial? Like, you're going to do this to a Roman? And the guy was like, holy crap. And then the guy said, yeah, I, I bought my, I, I earned my citizenship, but Paul was born a citizen. This is an argument of standing. This is an argument of status in the law. Paul makes a status argument. He argues what his status is in the law. And the dude that's beating him, the Roman that's beating him. And these are guys that crucified Jesus. The Romans that crucified Jesus knew that they crucified Jesus because out of all the other 30,000 crucifixions in the history of the Roman Empire, they only recorded the name of one guy that they crucified, Jesus of Nazareth. And so they all would have known that this one guy who now this guy who they're beating up is preaching and the guy that they're beating up who they're preaching, he turns him and goes, you're going to do this to a Roman, which is him declaring his status. He doesn't have to go through a state national process. He doesn't have to file an affidavit to repudiate his citizenship. He doesn't have to go through the secretary of state. He declares it. He stands on it because he knows the law and him just standing on it told the freaking stupid Roman guard for him to be like, holy crap, and he stopped. And then the captain came down. So now the, the bureaucrat that was high up, who wasn't normally talking to Paul because, hey, just go beat Paul up because he's a stupid Christian. 
So they go beat Paul up because he's a stupid Christian. But then when Paul makes a status argument, the captain comes down to him and says, Well, sir, uh, yeah, I bought my way into being Roman. Well, I, I'm born Roman, which would have made Paul higher than this dude. But you see how the high up government official came down to Paul once he understood who Paul's status was? This is why it's important to know the law. This is why it's important to know your status. This is why it's important to declare it. But you also have to assemble. You have to assemble. And this is where the, the vulnerability of this idea is. Is that if you don't believe this and you don't behave according to it, then it does you no good. Likewise, you can say that you believe the gospel, but do you actually obey Jesus? If you don't actually obey Jesus, do you really believe the gospel? Is it really good news if you don't believe what he, if you don't do what he tells you to do? If I'm told that I'm going to go to hell, that I'm a sinner, and Jesus died for my sins, and he rose physically from the grave, if I say, I believe that, but then when Jesus says, oh, go get baptized, I'm like, nah, that's a work. That's a work. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's a work. That's not necessary for my salvation. What did I just do? What I just did was I took what Jesus told me to do, I, I say that I believe him, and then when he tells me to go do something, I'm like, no, nah, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. That's a work. What you just did was you just disobeyed the king. You literally just disobeyed the guy that you say that you believe in for eternal salvation. And so whenever the whenever Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, whether, whether you eat or whether you drink, do whatsoever, all things, for the glory of God. He's literally telling you, if you're in Christ... Every single thing you do is for his glory. Everything. There is no separation. There is no separation of church and state. When Jefferson wrote that to the Danbury Baptist in 1800, he was telling the Danbury Baptist that the federal government wouldn't have a national church like England had the Anglican church. Because the Anglican church charged prayer taxes against the Baptists. And so when the Baptists in Connecticut told Jefferson, hey, these dudes are in charge of Connecticut. The Ang Anglicans are in charge of Connecticut, but we're Baptists. We're Baptists. We're not Anglican. So what you got to, what's up, Mr. President? Notice first that there's a church in Connecticut talking directly to the president. Mm. They're giving notice directly to the president. And the president did what? Gave them a response. And when the president gave them the response, when Jefferson wrote back, there's a hedge of protection as though a church from uh, a, a barrier between church and state. People who hate Jesus have taken that and warped it. People who hate our constitutional republic have taken that and warped it. They've ran with it. And that has been able to cudgel Christians into separating the gospel from literally everything. When the Bible tells you to literally do all things to the glory of God. And if you're doing all things to the glory of God, why would you separate God's wisdom, Christ's wisdom, from government? Why would you separate the standard of righteousness, the pursuit of truth? Why would you separate the quality and character of virtue from people in public office? And when people in public office use the church, use Christ to get elected or to make themselves holier than thou, you need to be able to raise up the Bible and say, uh, you say you claim Christ, but yet babies are still getting butchered. You say that you claim Christ, and yet you've got people invading our home. You say you claim Christ, but yet you're supporting military industrial complexes that are incentivizing the escalation of a third world war. You say you claim Christ. But you never come back to face the people that, that put you in office. You say you claim Christ, but you only use verses that say that I can and we shall. You never say repent. You never call people to get on their face and to pray and to look at the fact that they're sinners and that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. You never do that. Your fruit is rotten. It's bad. See, these are messages that people don't hear because they're messages that violate the power structures of the day. And I believe this is exactly what men should be doing. Women as well. And whenever I say men, I'm not trying to push women to the side. I'm saying that this is the time for men to fight. This is the time for men to fight like Christ. Christ didn't fight with a physical sword chopping people to bits. 
I don't believe men should fight with physical guns shooting people to death. I believe we can and should stand on truth in righteousness, swear under penalty of perjury to what the law says, proclaim the truth of the gospel, and if bad actors, whether they be government or illegal invaders or people just doing lawlessness, if they want some, you need to be ready. It is not wrong for you to defend your home. It's not wrong for you to defend your family. That is the use of the office God has given you. God has provided, seen fit to make me a husband. He has seen fit to make me a father. If someone is messing with my wife or if someone is messing with my family, I have, by God, the right to use my office to defend them. And in the law, if someone is perpetuating a felony, I have the means, it's called a hue and a cry. One of the ways that you can arrest someone is by a hue and a cry. If you see someone who has done violence, you may chase after them and use violence, if necessary, to force them to stop, to subjugate them. That's in the common law. It's called a hue and a cry. There's a couple different ways to arrest people. That's one of the last ways to arrest people. It's called a hue and a cry. If you see, Good Samaritan, if you see lawlessness happen, you may intervene because God in his sovereignty and his providence has seen fit to give you the office to use your liberty, to use your power to rectify and stop that bad situation. And that is fundamental law. And when you recognize that sheriffs exist from the common law tradition where people would build local communities, those local communities would have one representative, the reeve, the sheriff, to then enforce the law and enforce justice, that sheriff is accountable to you. But if you haven't talked to your neighbor, and if your neighbor doesn't understand the Bible, and if your neighbor's going to go to hell, and if your neighbor who might know the gospel and so is not going to go to hell doesn't know the Constitution, then we aren't even talking about what the fundamentals are, which means we got a lot of work to get to. We have a lot of work to get done. It starts first and foremost with the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important part because without that, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. You and I are sinners. Jesus paid our fine. When we sin, we break God's law, period. Everyone has done it. The Bible says in Psalm 14 that there is no one righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. God, understanding this, knowing this, before the foundation of the planet, knew that he would send Jesus his son to die on the cross, who after he was virgin born, lived a sinless life, was put on the Roman cross. He did that voluntarily. He did that out of love. He did that because that's why he came to earth. He came to earth to die in our place so that God's wrath may be poured out on Jesus instead of us in hell. And when Jesus was buried, three days later, he physically rose from the grave. When you believe Jesus Christ physically, believe, uh, physically rose from the grave, that is the gospel. When you believe that, you have salvation in him. Now, there will be, will be people that say, well, does this mean I have to do this? Or does this mean I have to do this? If you believe him for salvation, you will do whatever he says. And you won't make a stink about it. You will shut your mouth. Roger, Roger, Roger that king. Roger that sir. And execute. Because, the, because he paid for your debt. He bought your soul. He paid for it with his blood. He rose from the grave to prove that he's God. And you want to have a discussion about how to obey him. That is where Americans in their pride. Their cultural pride and our national pride. That's where we need to repent and bow. That doesn't mean we give up our liberty because our liberty is from him. That doesn't mean we give up our constitution. Our constitution is based on this worldview. That doesn't mean that we can't be proud about our nation. Our nation should be a city on a hill because our nation is built on biblical principle. It was shameless about the gospel of Jesus Christ pointing to him and the authority of scripture as this is what's true. We just don't want to be told what to do. 
we think, it seems to be that we think in America, the penultimate virtue is don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. This anti-law perspective. Don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. Conservatives do this. The godless commie leftists obviously do this. It's this free range. You can do whatever you want. But your liberty only exists because God gave it to you. And God gave you gifts and rights so that you would obey him and glorify him. And if you don't, then are you really recognizing the gift that he gave you? And I think that's where people need to make the connection. The war going on in this world is going to continue. The sin's going to continue. The death, the destruction. I believe that there's probably like a massive real estate bubble about to pop. I think that the petrodollar is incredibly de-dollarized. And I think that the World War III that is being escalated is to wrangle control of the oil fields in the Middle East and the sea lanes in order to wrest back commercial control and industrial manipulation of the petrodollar so that central banks can continue to do what they do. I do not believe that the solution to that is war, physical war. I believe that it is spiritual war. And I believe that it is God's wisdom to be the one thing that will stop it is the, is like the complete opposite. So instead of thinking in terms of national, in terms of big armies, in terms of navies and boats and all sorts of big things, you invert it down to the individual. And you say, are you reading your Bible? Do you believe the gospel? Do you obey the Bible? Do you obey the gospel? And are you individually learning what's true by reading the Bible old authors in the law and getting your head and your mind out of the muck of the day. If you are doing that and you're obeying that, you, I believe, are glorifying God and God in his sovereignty will stitch together all those little individuals to do massive things. And I believe that it is a burden of the American psyche that we think that we can control everything. That's certainly what I believed whenever I ran for office. And I repent of that because God shoved my defeat in my face. And I'm thankful for that. Three times I ran for office, three times I lost. I'm very thankful for that. And I mean that because from those defeats, he's, he's afflicted me to bring me to him. And now that I'm with him, I see it as like, why would I ever want to do that? Because now I have the common law. Now I know what the law is. And the more people that learn it, the more people that understand it, you will never want to be elected office because when you know that you swear that oath and you're in personam jurisdiction to the people that you swore an oath to, when those people figure that out, they own you, man. So if you go against them, if you go against the law and they tell you that's your house, that's your pension, that's your 401k, that's your car, you will, I, I believe... And this is God, I, I believe this is God's wisdom, the wisdom of our founders to believe the Bible, to build a nation and give us a constitutional republic of express public trusts. When we know that law and put it together and more of us figure it out, people won't want to run for public office because the public will be wanting to, to get them. Not in like a bam bam way, but in a, hey, you trespass the law. We know what the law is. You shouldn't be doing that. The glory, though, is that whenever that happens, when people get back to the fundamental law and they understand what that looks like, Lord willing, they will be righteous, they will be Christian, and so they will raise up their servants so that they gain a brother. And I believe that this is a peaceful, loving, biblical approach, but it all requires the gospel. It all centers back to the gospel. Believe the gospel, my friends. Folks, one of the ways you can help me, you've seen the coffee scroll. That's humblewb.coffee. But here is also patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Don't miss this opportunity. Logistics is a big deal. You want price competitive household products delivered right to your door. Cancel anytime. No hassles, no fees to cancel or get out. So if it's not for you, no harm, no foul. But the world is full of godless commies and global corporations that put all sorts of junk in it. People buy their seats at the, at, the, at the corporate table so they can market lawlessness and wretchedness to your children and all over the culture. Don't support that. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren points to an American manufacturing company who owns all the supply chains to their products. 
That means the products that are delivered right to your door are within two to three weeks old instead of normally the stuff from Walmart or Costco or wherever else have been sitting on the shelf for how knows long. So that is at patriotswitch.com slash It's a great way to support me and the work that I do. I appreciate you very much, Lord willing. We'll be back. Uh, shoot. Because um, mom has a thing. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back. Monday? Monday? We'll be back Monday. So until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Don't quit. Go to war.